0: History this week, December 11th, 1936. I'm Sally Helm.
1: At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own.
0: Engineers at the BBC have have been told not to record this speech, but they do it anyways. It's clear what an important moment this is. Just yesterday, King Edward VIII officially abdicated the throne. He's no longer king. And tonight, the country will hear the reason from the man himself. Before the big speech, the head of the BBC, Sir John Reith, comes over to Windsor Castle to help set things up for the broadcast. Edward arrives in a fur coat, smoking a cigar. He takes Reith up the stairs, past some furniture covered in dust cloths. Windsor Castle is undergoing a renovation. Edward sits down and reads a page from the newspaper to test the microphone. The press has been all over the abdication story, but Reith carefully chooses an article that isn't about Edward himself. And then, the moment comes. Edward steps up to the microphone. Reith and 10 million people around the country settle in to listen as the king finally explains himself. But you must... Believe me
1: when I tell you that I have found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility and to discharge my duties as king as I would wish to do without the help and support of the woman I love.
0: The Woman I Love Pretty much everyone listening knows who this is. Wallace Simpson, an American divorcee who has captured the king's heart. The government wouldn't allow him to marry her, and that has driven him to abdicate. This is the only voluntary abdication in British history, ever. People are shocked, but what's done is done. And now we all have the new
1: king. I wish him and you, his people, happiness and prosperity with all my heart. God bless you all. God save the king.
0: Today, a royal scandal. How did Edward, the rogue king, caused trouble for England before, during, and after his reign? And how, after dealing with this divorcee drama, did the royal family adapt?
2: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
0: Edward knew from earliest childhood that he was destined to be king. And his father, King George V, was notoriously strict. Supposedly, he once said,
3: I was terrified of my father, and I shall make certain that my children are terrified of me.
0: That is not an actual recording of King George V. It is historian Adrian Phillips.
3: I published a book on the abdication crisis under the title, The King Who Had to Go.
0: Young Edward didn't know that he would end up as the king who had to go. He thought he was just going to be the king. And by the time he was a young adult in the early 1900s, he certainly looked the part.
3: He was glamorous. He was good-looking. He was a keen sportsman. He was devastatingly charming. He was very much the golden boy. Also, a ladies' man. It's an absolute truism that Edward was the national heartthrob. In the purest way, uh, a national sex symbol.
0: The young Edward also has royal responsibilities. His strict father takes them seriously, because King George V believes that the royal family's power might be in jeopardy.
3: The First World War had seen a wholesale reduction of monarchy through Europe and indeed the outright execution of one of his cousins, the Tsar of Russia. So he was by then very concerned that monarchy was a threatened species.
0: So the charming young Prince Edward gets sent around the world on royal tours to try and make the monarchy look good. And he doesn't love it. He kind of wants royalty to be his day job. But The
3: reality is that in anything but the most trivial monarchy, royalty carries duties as well as great privileges. And it's all-encompassing. You're born as a royal, that's it. You have no life outside your royal personality.
0: Edward isn't so sure that's how he wants to live. But if he has to live that way, he at least wants to be doing things that feel important.
3: He wanted to claw back power that his father had conceded to the politicians. He wanted to reestablish the royal voice as an important voice in public affairs.
0: Traditionally, the royals don't have a say in politics. But Edward tries to insert himself. Like, at one point, he speaks out on behalf of poor coal miners and says the government should be doing more to help. The government is annoyed by this meddling. And to be clear, Edward's concern for the poor didn't make him a saint. Phillips told us he was pretty wrapped up in himself.
3: He was monumentally selfish.
0: In the mid-1920s, one of Edward's courtiers becomes very concerned with the flaws he sees in the prince's personality. He goes to Stanley Baldwin, the prime minister. The courtier tells Baldwin.
3: In effect, I am so concerned about the thought of Edward becoming king, that I rather wish I'd hear he'd fallen off his horse on a fox hunt and broken his neck. And Baldwin says, forgive me, but that's rather how I feel myself.
0: Part of what made the prince unpleasant was that he had these fits of passion.
3: He was an obsessive personality. He went through a series of interests which he was utterly obsessively wrapped up in. Casual sex for one, heavy drinking, aggressive horse riding, gardening, and finally, the thing which changed his life forever, uh, an obsessive love affair or an obsessive love for Mrs. Simpson.
0: Mrs. Simpson.
4: She was very bright and very witty. She was very well-educated and actually came from a very good Baltimore family.
0: We also spoke with Anna Pasternak, who wrote a book all about Wallace Simpson. and She told us her side of the story.
4: I realized that the real story of Wallace's position in the abdication had never been fully told before.
0: Edward meets her in 1932, while she's living in London with her second husband.
4: What immediately stood out for the Prince of Wales, as he was then, was that Wallace was very forthright. She wasn't like some fawning English aristocrat who was extremely deferential to the prince.
0: She was her own person. It's not clear whether Simpson is smitten with the prince in those early years, but he soon breaks it off with the woman he was seeing and falls for Wallace.
3: Edward claims that he wanted to marry Wallace right from the start of their relationship. In
0: 1935, Edward brings Wallace as his date to a party celebrating his youngest brother's marriage. And his mother, Queen Mary, will barely even speak to her.
4: The Queen Mother apparently looks at her with, you know, absolute icy disdain.
0: The problem isn't so much that Wallace is married. And if Edward just wanted to have an affair with her, that would have been kind of fine. But they think he can't marry her. For one thing, she's American, not from the British aristocracy. And for another, she'd already been divorced.
3: Divorce was considered to be socially unacceptable. A senior civil servant or senior military officer would be expected to resign if he became involved in a divorce.
0: Not to mention that when Edward becomes king, he'll be the head of the Church of England. Marrying a divorcee would have been highly controversial in the church at the time. The family is trying to keep the affair hush hush. The press actually knows about it. Edward doesn't take the trouble to be discreet. But luckily for the royal family, they don't report on it. It's a sort of gentleman's agreement.
3: There was an entirely different code of conduct for the press. The royal family was just not talked about. So there was no royal gossip.
0: It was a very different time. Meanwhile, while Edward Prince of Wales is conducting this scandalous affair and getting up to his obsessive horse riding and gardening and making trouble for the British government, a very serious conflict is beginning to develop. In England's neighbor, Germany, Adolf Hitler rises to power in 1933. The British government is widely against Hitler. But not everyone in the monarchy is. In 1935, Prince Edward is at a large meeting with the British Legion, which is a veterans association at the time, and he expresses some pro-German feelings.
3: He says they are the ideal body to stretch out the hand of friendship to Germany. This causes major problems.
0: Most historians agree that Edward's interest in the Nazi party was not particularly ideological. Rather,
4: he had this affinity with his German relations. The only subject he excelled at all his life was
0: speaking German. He was fluent German. But of course, his comments about Germany at this moment have major political import that he doesn't seem to understand. The diplomatic situation is very sensitive, and conflicting messaging between the royal family and the government could cause an international conflict. The government, and also King George, express their strong disapproval to the prince, and so he walks his comments back in public. But in private, he says he's not sure what the fuss was all about. He doesn't get the gravity of the situation, and he never will. So Edward is causing major problems for the country before he even ascends to the throne. And it's only going to get worse. In January of 1936, his father dies, and Edward, Prince of Wales, becomes Edward VIII, King of England.
3: Immediately after his father dies, Edward breaches a firm tradition.
0: The new king is proclaimed with an impressive ceremony in the courtyard of St. James's Palace. Hundreds of people gather, There's a procession with military officers and state trumpeters. But one person who is not supposed to be at this proclamation is the incoming king or queen themselves.
3: Why that should be is mysterious, but it was a firm tradition.
0: Edward breaks that tradition.
3: He positions himself in a window in St. James's palace, not only watching the proclamation scandalously himself, but together with Wallace Simpson. And to cap it all, this is picked up on a newsreel camera. So he gets off a very bad start.
0: As his reign goes on, King Edward VIII keeps breaching protocol. He resists moving to Buckingham Palace. He shirks his royal duties and hosts parties instead. And meanwhile, his obsessive love for Wallace Simpson is becoming a bigger problem. The British public still doesn't know about her, but it's getting increasingly hard for the press to keep the secret. The king invites her and her husband to the very first official dinner of his reign. And in the summer of 1936, he takes her on a private yacht trip in the Mediterranean. That
3: is the thing that triggers a huge wave of international publicity.
0: There are photos taken of King Edward VIII wearing a short-sleeved summer shirt while Wallace's arm rests casually on his. This is shocking because no one touches the royal family. The British press still isn't publishing this gossip, but in the US and elsewhere, the press doesn't hold back.
4: Wallace was amazed and then shocked to read American press clippings sent to her from friends and family. Her relationship with the king, which heretofore, this is her words, had been purely personal, was now a topic of dinner table conversation for every newspaper reader in the United States, Europe,
0: and the Dominions. And at that point, she actually tries to end the affair. It's gone far enough. She says to Edward... You and I would
4: only create disaster together. Please let me go. I shall watch you from afar, and I shall be so proud of you. She could see that disaster
0: lay ahead. Disaster in Britain and disaster in her own home. Remember, she's still married, but that marriage is now in jeopardy. And by this point, Edward himself is pushing for her to get a divorce. Wallace pushes back... But it is very difficult to go
4: against a powerful man who was the most popular man, you know, in the empire then. He
0: ruled 500 million people. In October of 1936, the Simpsons begin their divorce process.
3: That is the point when even the biggest optimist can't keep closing their eyes to the fact that there is a very strong possibility that Edward will try to marry Wallace.
0: Stanley Baldwin is now the prime minister. He tries to convince Edward to let go of the whole divorce idea, but Edward won't hear of it. And Baldwin is very concerned. This soon-to-be-twice-divorced American would not make an acceptable queen. In fact, the government begins to see Edward as a security risk. They think this drama could lead to a constitutional crisis for the monarchy and government.
3: This is the kind of fear that has been lurking in the background in the corridors of power in Westminster and Whitehall for a long time. You have an unstable, unreliable king. His reign could end really quite badly.
0: Finally, in mid-November, the king calls Baldwin to the palace.
3: And he says, I want to marry Mrs. Simpson. What are you going to do about it?
0: Baldwin says that the public will not accept Simpson as queen. And the king says that if he doesn't get his way, he's ready to abdicate, to leave the throne.
2: Ready to pop the question? JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: Edward is ready to give up the throne so that he can be with the love of his life. But Wallace Simpson actually begs him not to abdicate. She did not want to marry him then. She didn't want any of this. Because she knows the royal family won't accept her, the government won't accept her, and frankly, neither will the British people. But Edward won't listen. He tries to get the government to agree to a morganatic marriage, meaning that Wallace would be a consort but not the queen. The government says no, and in fact, Baldwin tells the king that if he marries Wallace Simpson, his government ministers will all resign. The lovesick Edward feels out of options. And then, in the middle of all this, the story breaks in the British press.
3: Mrs. Simpson's picture is splashed across the front pages. It all becomes public property.
0: Headlines read, Edward speeding to Wally, grave constitutional issue. And the disaster Wallace had predicted lands in her lap.
4: She said, every morning, my world goes to pieces on my breakfast tray. She received hate mail, death threats. She had to leave her flat in London because someone threw a brick through the window.
0: At this point, Wallace begs once more, please let me go. Be king. But the king says in response
4: if you leave me, wherever you go in the world, I will follow you. And he threatened to kill himself. At that time, he was sleeping with a loaded pistol under his pillow. And the thing is, Wallace did not leave him in the end at this time, because
0: she thought she could not have his blood on her hands. So she stays, though she actually leaves the country to avoid the Fuhrer. To hide from the paparazzi, she reportedly lies on the floor of a car under coats and absconds to the south of France.
3: She knew that she was the one who was going to be blamed if the king did abdicate.
0: Speculation about Edward's potential abdication is on the front page of newspapers around the world. Some regular Britons, especially younger people and those in the working classes, actually support the king's right to marry whoever he wants. But many others are scandalized. As the story is breaking in the press, The King asks Prime Minister Baldwin to come see him in the palace. Baldwin sneaks in through a back door and then actually climbs through a window to avoid being seen. Edward tells him he wants to go on public radio with his side of the story, see if he can sway public opinion. But Baldwin says that would be unconstitutional and forbids it. About a week later, Edward summons the Prime Minister again. This time, he says it's over.
3: Finally, he accepts that the only way he is going to be allowed to marry Mrs. Simpson is if he abdicates.
0: The next day, Thursday, December 10th, Baldwin walks into Parliament and delivers the king's message. The following day, Edward VIII is stripped of his title. His younger brother will now assume the throne and become King George VI. And that evening, Edward goes on the radio to address the British people and the world. —— Now, again, as Prince Edward.
1: A few hours ago, I discharged my last duty as King and Emperor.
3: The public mood, I think, is probably best described as absolutely shocked.
1: You all know the reasons which have impelled me to renounce the throne.
0: He says it's because he can't do this without the woman he loves.
3: One of the things you will notice is that he does not mention Wallace Simpson by name.
0: Phillips told us that's in part because Simpson's name has become demonized by the British public. Anna Pasternak said they felt let down and all their disappointment was projected onto Wallace, their
4: fury, their hurt, because she was seen as the witch responsible for taking a beloved king from his throne. And when he gave the iconic abdication speech, Wallace was lying under a blanket listening to these words come out on the radio, sobbing.
0: In the very early morning hours the following day, December 12th, 1936, Edward leaves Britain, now as the Duke of Windsor. He had only reigned for 326 days. Unbeknownst to him, he will never live in his home country again. Wallace, though she hadn't wanted all this trouble, had come to love this man who abdicated for her. And in the summer of 1937, the two of them get married. No member of the royal family attends. It's a snub, though not even the biggest snub.
4: The thing he never ever recovered from, which literally hit him like a fatal gunshot wound, was the fact that Wallace was denied HRH. And he never got over that
0: snub. HRH, Her Royal Highness, the honorific that was normally given to senior members of the royal family. Edward feels determined to give Wallace a life of royalty and luxury, even though he's no longer king. He felt wounded by
4: his family,
0: and he wanted Wallace
4: to experience the pomp and ceremony of a royal tour. And that is why they went to Germany. In
0: 1937, Edward and Wallace meet with Hitler himself. It's Edward's way of establishing Wallace as an international figure and reestablishing himself. But in the eyes of the world, of course, it ends up having a lot to do with the Nazi regime. The Germans treat the two of them like royalty. They bow to Wallace like a queen. The Nazis see it as a great propaganda opportunity.
3: There is this photo op at Hitler's mountain retreat of the, the meeting between Hitler and the former king of England. This seems to be the moment when it's felt in the royal family that Edward is actually turning his back totally on them and their values.
0: When World War II breaks out in 1939, Edward steps back from his pro-German stance, at least publicly. But privately, he doesn't condemn the Nazis, and he says he doubts the point of the war.
3: At a period when the British government is fully committed to the war, it is getting quite close to treason.
0: The Germans see an opportunity here. They consider a play to install this former king as a kind of puppet monarch in Britain. They even discuss a plan to kidnap him— And the British government wants to get the duke as far away from the Nazis as possible. So they send him off to be governor of the Bahamas. And for the remainder of the war, he lies low. The story of his pro-German stance is kept secret for many years, but it comes out in the late 1950s and is hugely embarrassing for the monarchy. And in general, after Edward, the monarchy has a lot of rebuilding to do. The abdication changes the line of succession. Edward's brother George VI rules as a committed monarch, putting duty first. He dies young at the age of 56, and his daughter becomes Queen Elizabeth II, who's still on the throne today. During her reign, the monarchy has maintained its mostly symbolic role, staying out of politics. And partly in reaction to her uncle, she has recommitted to the idea of monarchy as duty.
3: While she might be a figurehead, it's this commitment to the duty that gives her an authority and standing.
0: Queen Elizabeth only became Queen Elizabeth because her uncle threw the crown away after 326 days. Now, she's held on to the title of sovereign for almost 70 years, treating the office not as a choice, but as a commitment for life. But under the Queen's reign, Some royals have not treated marriage as a commitment for life. Charles divorced Diana and eventually married Camilla Parker Bowles, a divorcee. Harry married an American divorcee, Meghan Markle. The royal family has had to change with the times. As for Edward, he died in 1972, 20 years into his niece's reign. He had spent his days living in leisure in France, squabbling with his family, and loving the woman he abdicated for. In 35 years of their marriage, he
4: never for a second regretted marrying Wallace. When they lived in Paris at the end of their life, she never once left the house without him escorting her to the front door, standing there saying, hurry home, my darling, I shall miss you.
0: Thanks for listening to History This Week. For more moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. And for history anytime, anywhere, sign up for a seven-day free trial of History Vault, where you can stream over 2,000 award-winning documentaries and series from your favorite device, with new videos added every week. To start your free trial, visit historyvault.com forward slash podcast Today, This episode was produced by Julie Magruder. History This Week is also produced by McKamey Lynn, Ben Dickstein, and me, Sally Helm. Our editor and sound designer is Dan Rosato, and our researcher is Emma Fredericks. Our executive producers are Jesse Katz and Ted Butler. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review History This Week wherever you get your podcasts, and we will see you next week.